Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, post nine of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. Pre market is taking a spill on that Fitch downgrade of the United States. Big menu of corporate earnings. And the macro data runs a little hot today. ADP beats 10-year 406. Our roadmap begins with that downgrade, though. Fitch is the first major ratings firm to downgrade the government's credit rating in more than a decade. Earnings in focus, Starbucks, EA, Match, Humana, and AMD among those crossing the tape. In fact, AMD's chief, Lisa Sue, will join us later this hour. And Apple Sports Push reportedly nearing a new streaming deal with the Pac-12. Let's begin, though, with the Fitch downgrade, downgrading the U.S. from AAA to AA+. Jim, you talked about this a bit last night. Um, yeah. Is, is the market shrugging it off or not? I think it has to because in some ways it's just a upgrade of the way that we run our country. And I think you want to go back and think, well, what happened in, uh, in August 5th of 2011 when the S&P downgraded us? Uh, S&P was at 1,119. Uh, it, it already had gone down from 1,317, went down to 1,095. So there was a big decline. Then one year later, it was at 1,401. So in other words, in if you just take the worst case scenario, which was what happened in 2011, it was an amazing buying opportunity. Uh, and when people looked at it, I think they said it was quizzical. Tim Geithner was very angry. He said the formula was wrong. This one just kind of just says, all right, look, you're a completely dysfunctional country. And we recognize that. Uh, but uh, all countries are dysfunctional. We're dysfunctional less than others. So are you buying the pushback that their model is actually on the mend? Why didn't you do this three years ago when things were even more dire, arguably, they say? Well, look, I, I, I think that it's very easy to say that we are, as, as people are saying, as Fitch saying, that it's the worst we've been since we started as a nation. Uh, I, I think they should take a look about that, like, 1860, 1862 period, which was kind of perilous. Uh, not being facetious, I mean, you know, geez, that was like, there were time. Lincoln, Lincoln had a lot of fiscal responsibility. But, you know, if you want to go there, I think you can say, well, you made a big splash, Fitch. Thank you. But a week from now, we're not going to be talking about it. Maybe we're going to be talking about it three days from now. Right. Uh, that's sort of the view. I mean, there's a bunch of notes reaction this morning. One of them is exactly as you said, is that um, this is going to turn very political. Uh, and right. you could sort of see that in Yellen's statement last night. Yes. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, should we be doing this thing since 20, you know, 1917? Are we doing this debt ceiling? It's obviously a very inefficient way to, to deal with it. I'd like to speak to Speaker McCarthy because Speaker McCarthy had some very practical things to say about how it's not the way to run the government. I, I, I think that both sides don't want to run the government this way. So if that's what Fitch is saying and it could, it could promote anything like that, that would be good. Uh, interest rates are up again today. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence. I think the economy is much stronger than we thought. The job numbers are very good. But, I mean, Fitch, we're talking about Fitch today. So you can make, anybody can make themselves relevant. Relevant. <laughs> they made themselves so relevant. Suddenly it's like, Fitch, I get up and say, oh, geez, I got to look, look at Fitch. I haven't, I haven't looked at Fitch lately. Well, good for them. Right. right? I mean, there's people at Fitch right now who are saying, they're talking about, hey, make it louder. They're talking about us. Like, yeah, I know. No, no, this is really good. We're like, we're like relevant. This is like amazing. And there you go. And uh, then tomorrow, they're like, but what? I, uh, that was nice. What happened to Fitch? Yeah. Uh, there are a host of uh, reactions. Larry Summers, for example, uh, calls the downgrade bizarre and inept. Uh, Wells today, we believe any pullback in stocks would be relatively short and right. shallow. Although I am reminded, Jim, of when we were still facing uh, the, the showdown. 
right. in Congress, and you were leery of whatever effects might come from a failure to agree. Well, I just thought that uh, I didn't think Speaker McCarthy had it. I, I just didn't. Uh, I underestimated him. Uh, he was very strong in terms of getting that done. And it didn't get it heralded because, I mean, look, if you're from the right, you you didn't like him because he compromised it. From the left, you didn't like him because uh, he, he's still too far right wing. But he pulled it off. And he got no, he got really no credit for it. And I, uh, I'm not trying to say, listen, I, he's the guy. I am saying that, that if he hadn't done it, then I think that we would have. Then Fitch should have. That would, be, that would have been a good time for Fitch to say something. But now it's just kind of, it's very interesting. Like, I agree with Larry Summers for the first time since he was president at Harvard. I mean, because since then, I've kind of really just felt that he likes to throw bombs. It's going he's back, kind of a bomb it's thrower. going back a ways, though. He, by the way, he's hilarious. We should point that out. And I don't mean that like when I say someone's nice, which means I don't think they're, I think they're incompetent. I mean, he's really, really smart guy. But I just think that, well, this is something I agree with him on. Um, he so- looks, that... That picture's younger. <laughs> yes, as it is for a lot yeah. of us. Yes, it is. I mean, X. Uh, X factor. So where does that leave us? Um, are we still watching memes? Are we watching earnings? You know, I was doing is some ADP work. relevant today? I was doing some work on Tupperware because Rick Goings used to be a you know, CEO of Tupperware. They had a great business. It kind of went down during the uh, COVID, but the, and, and then they kind of decided to change the distribution channel. They had 3 million women working for them. It was really great. Uh, do we go back to that? I think that... It's interesting. That one actually has a filing it's due. And they have to have the stock ready. They have to have 100 million shares ready, not at the market, but actually as a boatload, and hit the memes with it. Now, the memes don't really understand the process, but as soon as you get that okay from the SEC, which they say is going to happen any day now, then they'll have enough money to be able to pay their bills and get in compliance. But their business model is so bad and they're so, so inept at running the company, it really won't matter. Right. So the, the, I know you probably talked about the run-up last couple of days and the give-back uh, this morning. Right? Yeah, I mean, I was doing some work last night. I was saying so, uh, that Tupperware should be sold unless they bring back Rick Goings, who was 77 and had a company that was really, really humming. Um, and, I mean, you know, by the way, no one ever thinks that their stuff is, is bad. By the way, the Newell stuff is starting to sell. That's another meme stock. Uh, NWL uh, that had changed management is doing quite well. So the memes can have, they can have some fun. I, you know, I think that they're exhausted too. Like the memes are like trying to find, well, give me something new. We can't seem to get Palantir to 20. Right. Uh, Tupperware was fun while it lasted. And now we're like, now we're in the Amazon Apple part of the order in, in real companies. And a lot of those stocks were down very badly on this Fitch thing. You know, at 430, like I, I love watching Frank, by the way. Okay, yes. Frank Holland. Yes, and you look underneath it, and it's like, oh, so, okay, so Alphabet's down two bucks on the Fitch downgrade. I mean, who's doing this? Like, who's trading in their pajamas? And the answer is, is people who are stupid enough to trade in their pajamas. I mean, I always got dressed when I traded at 3 in the morning. I never felt that wearing feet pajamas was a good time to trade Tokyo Rail. <laughs> you just don't wear feet pajamas to trade Tokyo Rail. There, been, there's a takeaway for you, you. You've been consistent in your pajama criticism for years now, actually. Well, I mean, look, there's a lot of guys who do that trading, and I can't please take their money away. I mean, let come in. I mean, these are the people who bought CVS when it was up, and then it, then now it's down, right? Or they bought CVS thinking it was paramount. I don't know. There, there is no sense to watching the ticker early on because it's just everybody does it wrong. And now that we come in and we, we suss out Fitch, we realize, wow, I sold, why did I sell it? And, and then you start Googling Fitch. Yeah. 
Well, you mentioned Apple uh, tomorrow night. I see JP, oh. JP Morgan today goes to 235. That piece is revolutionary because that piece says it is no longer a product company. It's a service company. It's a de-risk company. Now, I always feel like if you de-risk Apple the day before, you run the risk of running into a, a genuine buzzsaw. But it was such a positive piece. I mean, I was like, wow, JP Morgan is just all in. Uh, but I like the piece, and I think that when we talk to Apple tomorrow, we're going to have to start talking about the idea that uh, what are they doing for programming? You know, beyond MLS, I mean, Pac-12. Yep. I don't really care for Pac-12 football, but the fact is, is that if you could watch Pac-12 football you, using the uh, Vision Pro, because I, mean, I watched Vision Pro when I was watching an MLS game, and the ball came at me, and I, I ducked because <laughs> was that realistic? I hope Tim talks about that. Yeah. Tim, uh, Tim Cook's CEO about Also, tangentially, not that it's a uh, huge, not, not the first priority for Apple, but it does look like the writers, after 92 days, right. are going to return to the table and talk to studios. Amazing. Which, I mean, you were looking for any signal of uh, labor peace. Well, you want, you want labor war? Take a look at these things that Sean Fain is saying. About it, autos. It autos. I mean, he's talking about a work week that's incredibly short. He's talking about going back to defined benefit. He's basically talking about uh, that class that I had about the Spartacus Workers League and how Marx was wrong because Marx felt that there, that, there, there, that there should be some capitalism, only the workers belong. This man, this man studied Trotsky. I got to tell you, studied Trotsky before pre-ice picking era. You think, you think some of the weakness this morning is about reading I, I mean, I, honestly, over, I'm reading the guy. Over Fitch? Walter Ruther, no. Walter Ruther seems like he's a, a man of peace. Uh, it, it is... I, I have to tell you that if this guy, if Sean Fain, who is the UAW head, if he gets his way, you can short every single auto company until the cows come home. They will be the least competitive companies on earth. There are companies in France right now who are saying, holy cow, what are we doing working Wednesday and Thursday? Why can't we be like Ford Motor? Uh, well, they present to GM today. It must stop. I mean, honestly, yeah. honestly, this is not capitalism. All right. It's not capitalism. It's some other form. I took seven courses on communism at Harvard because I was in a particularly bad period at Harvard. I, there should be an eighth course, Sean Fain and what he had to do with Engels. It was Marx and Engels and Fain. We're going to watch it. That contract expires uh, middle of September. When we come back, we'll talk some earnings and chips and AI with AMD CEO Lisa Su. Meantime, there is some uh, material weakness in the pre-market, although we've gone 47 trading days without a 1% decline on the S&P. More Squawk on the Street straight ahead. Carl, we have a welcome back treat for you. We've got Lisa Sue. Shares of AMD are rising with the company's much better than expected quarterly results. CEO Lisa Sue joins us now. Lisa, it is so great to have you back on a day when a lot of people felt, I don't know, maybe you're just kind of becoming also ran to NVIDIA, which is completely not true. Well, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Carl. It's great to be here with you guys. So tell me, what you've done is that you ordered a lot of chips, a lot of, a lot of cards that are all as fast as a lot of NVIDIA's. It, it, it seems like that every what we call hyperscaler wants what you have, which means that you've got not a quarter, not a year, but multi-year revenue stream beginning right now. <laughs> well, first, Jim, I'd like to say, you know, we were uh, very happy with our um, execution in the quarter. You know, we're seeing some positives. Um, we saw our PC business actually grow uh, 35 percent sequentially. 
We saw really strong pickup in our uh, newest products, our uh, fourth gen Epic um, you know, CPU products. We had um, great partners like Amazon and Meta, um, as well as Oracle and um, you know, all announced, Microsoft Azure, all announced, you know, sort of new installations uh, with our newest CPUs. And yeah, we're very excited about AI. Um, you know, everyone's talking about AI, but you need all of the computing infrastructure uh, to be there. And, uh, you know, we're all about, you know, multi-year, multi-generational roadmaps and setting up um, not just the hardware and the software, but also the supply chain for that. So yeah, we're, we're excited about what we have in front of us in the second half of the year. Well, let's take a moment by one. When I listened to your call, I started thinking, my PC is not going to be the PC uh, that it is right now. And that, there, yes, sure, we're coming through a period where there was a glut and coming out of that. Can you give me a, an instance or something of what my PC might be like a year from now because of, of your chips? Yeah, we're, we're excited about AI in all parts of the market. We see it in the largest data centers to edge devices to, to PCs. You know, we just launched um, a set of products that actually have um, AI um, inside the PC. So it's really um, on board. And what that means is, you know, our PCs are just going to be much more productive going forward. So, you know, we are coming out of, let's call it a, a volatile cycle for the PCs. We see growth into the second half of the year and even more so as we get into 24 and 25. And the idea is that, you know, your PC should be your productivity tool to help you really organize all aspects of your life. And um, generative AI is going to be a big piece of that. We're working very closely with Microsoft and a number of our other, you know, hardware and software partners uh, to really bring all of those experiences to life. So um, it's an exciting time uh, for the PCs. If I have a, uh, a, a Microsoft PC, would I be able to say to it, uh, I've got Lisa Sue on at uh, at eight, at eight at nine fifteen, and I'd like to be able to just talk to you, PC, about what you might think that we should be talking about. I think we're going to have the capability to just organize all of our thoughts and all of our history and all of our capability. That's the beauty of generative AI, because you really do have, you know, not only um, all of the power of the cloud, but you also have all of your personal data as well. And, you know, as I uh, said, this is a multi-year journey. These experiences are going to continue to get better. Uh, we're working very closely with the entire ecosystem to make that happen. And so, um, you know, that's part of the promise of all of this new computing that we're able to bring on. Hey, Lisa, I think one of the more interesting wrinkles this morning is um, your comments about how to satisfy customer uh, demands in China while still complying with export controls. Can you talk about how AMD and maybe uh, corporates at large are, are trying to navigate that? Well, I, you know, I think I would step back and say, Carl, you know, overall, I mean, there's just a tremendous interest in AI um, overall. You know, what we've seen, you know, just over the last 90 days is we've seen our customer engagements increase by over seven times. Um, everyone's looking for, you know, how do they get more AI solutions? And, you know, we're very happy that we have a strong roadmap, you know, to do that. You know, as it relates to China, China is an important market for us. Um, you know, of course, the, um, the export regulations are, you know, very important. And we all see that. But we also see that there's an opportunity to you know, develop products um, that really fit within that. And so you know, this is all part of um, what we do to you know, really take our baseline foundational technology and make sure that it's tailored for the right markets. 
Now, I know you bought Xilinx, and a lot of people have been saying, well, when will Xilinx really kick in? There were a number of references to some of the businesses that I think you picked up with Xilinx, and maybe you can tell us about how the company has changed in terms of its mosaic or where it was before the purchase of Xilinx. Yeah, we really appreciate, uh, first of all, the Xilinx business or our embedded business now has had just a, a tremendous run. So we had, you know, very, very strong the last six quarters in terms of just overall revenue growth. Um, I love the markets that we're in, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we're in aerospace and defense, um, industrial uh, test measurement, emulation. These are really great markets that need a lot of computing. Um, the beauty of it is we're finding a lot of synergy between, um, let's call it, some of our FPGA and adaptive products with our processing products. And customers are actually coming to us looking for um, overall solutions for their computing needs. So I'm very, very pleased with that. And on top of that, what we've been able to do is really bring our AI teams together. So uh, we have really increase the amount of resources that we have addressing AI. AI is absolutely our most strategic priority uh, from the largest cloud data centers for people who are running the largest training and inference models um, to what you have at the edge, to what an industrial customer would need, what an automotive customer would need, to what you have in the client when we just talked about PCs. And that really is the synergy of you know, the great technology that we've gotten from, um, you know, from our acquisition of Xilinx as well as you know, our, um, our you know, strong investments over the last few years. Hey, Lisa, I know you'd, uh, you'd love to talk about the business rather than the macro, perhaps, especially in light of this downgrade that we got uh, of the U.S. from Fitch. But can you at least give viewers a, a little uh, inkling of how CEOs are even discussing it or whether or not they're discussing it at all this morning? You know, I think um, in general what I would say is, um, you know, the environment uh, still continues to be a little bit mixed when you looked across uh, the different market segments. But from what we see on the long-term basis, uh, we see a growth environment. And, you know, from our business going forward, we see, uh, you know, the second half, actually, we see, you know, nice growth um, across the business. We're particularly excited about the growth in the data center. And again, uh, you know, what we see now is the data center looks to for us to be um, about, you know, 50% or so above in the second half versus where it was in the first half, which is, you know, a really strong, um, you know, statement of where we think demand overall is. So, you know, agree that there is some you know mixed signals in the market and we have to navigate through those but overall we see a bias towards the positive one last question lisa uh, at this time last year i was worried that you had way too many chips for a client or in other words for pc do you have enough of the mi 300 which is the rival equivalent I mean, some people say the h100 of, of nvidia to be able to make it so that you can uh, literally fulfill all the orders that you have well, Jim, you know, one of the things that we are really good at is managing um, the overall supply chain. And, you know, as uh, as we work through some of the inventory on the PC side, we've worked through um, a lot of that. And I can tell you on our MI300 or on our AI chips, we've been planning for this opportunity. Uh, it's a really important opportunity. I think um, a lot of customers want to be able to ramp as soon as possible. We've been setting up this supply chain for the last couple of quarters, and we feel very good about what we have in the second half and into 2024 as we really participate in you know, sort of the most important technology trend um, over the next five years. So um, it's an exciting time, um, I would say, to be in AI and in computing, but uh, we're ready for it. Well, it's true, Lisa. It's good to know that it's just not NVIDIA and no one else. I think it's NVIDIA and AMD. Lisa Sue, CEO of AMD, thank you so much for coming on. Great to see you. Great to see you guys, too. Thank you. 
Still to come this morning, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell on a pretty important market day. Take a look at the pre-market as futures are weak. More squawk on the street when we come back. Take a look at the pre-market here. Once again, a lot of discussion this morning regarding the Fitch downgrade of the U.S. and the menu of corporate earnings. Not a lot of relief in least long-term yields with that long bond uh, back to 416. Opening bells in a few moments, and don't forget, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. We're really pleased with our results this quarter, uh, coming in better than what we had guided on top line, bottom line, uh, and users uh, and getting back to margin expansion. But most noteworthy, it was our best user growth quarter in uh, more than two years. And when you decompose that, you asked about Gen Z. Gen Z is our fastest growing cohort. They're real. Uh, and they're real for two reasons. One of, the, one of the reasons is because they're becoming more shoppable. But the second is the Gen Z comment is actually a relation to the way Gen Z thinks. Bill believes that Gen Z doesn't like combat, that they don't like the backbiting. They don't like letter X, <laughs> and they're going to Pinterest. If they can get international up to anywhere near the margins uh, in frequency, this stock flies to 40. Bill Reddy is very, very smart, and he's doing a lot of right things. And people are coming back to Pinterest. The numbers were quite good, but the stock was up some 40% ahead. I did notice that Rosenblatt goes to buy 35, enticing progress, and they do talk about rising relevance. It is it is good, and I think that what people are going to end up doing is that if you plan your trip, you're not going to then go to bookings. You're going to stay there. Uh, I think that Bill is revolutionary in the sense of realizing it, as, as is Harley Quinn uh, with Shopify, uh, as is Roku. You've got to do everything on the site. You can't be like learning there and going to Amazon. And that's what Bill Reddy's doing for, for Pinterest. Very solid. Point. We are going to get Shopify tonight, along with Qualcomm and Clorox, ahead of the big day tomorrow afternoon. Let's get the opening bell on the CNBC Real-Time Exchange of the big board. It's Ellurian, a weight loss platform celebrating a listing via SPAC at the NASDAQ. It is the New York City Department of Transportation highlighting its Summer Streets initiative where they basically clear the avenues in, in Manhattan and, uh, and the boroughs, Jim, let you party in the street for a few hours. Oh, look, I think it's yeah. terrific. I, I know that on the Starbucks call, and we'll get to that, they still have 3% of the city, of, of, of the urban area has not come back. Uh, but I see it over and over again, that urban, at least in New York, it's back, it's back, it's back. And people may think that it's related to uh, whether people are, are working from home, but the, the, the streets are packed tonight. It's really quite exciting. I am curious to know what you thought of Starbucks last night and the CFO's comments on Squawk today okay. and the China guy. All right, so, yeah, look, China was extraordinary. I, I, do you know that if they just had done $24 million more in the U.S., they would have done 8% comps, and all these naysaying analysts would find themselves eating crow. I think the China numbers uh, are incredible just in terms of the amount of white space they could have. Uh, my only criticism about Starbucks is, is that they have missed out, and this is this is not Luxman Nair Simmons' problem. Uh, they've missed out on the super high caffeinated, the super high caffeinated drink in the afternoon, the Dutch bro drink. I think they'll solve that problem. They've solved a lot of throughput problems. Uh, the membership, their rewards program is extraordinary. No one's trading down. I think it's wrong that the stock goes down big. I think that this is the beginning of a new ramp. Uh, and look, big shoes, okay? Lachman Arsim is following a man, uh, Howard Schultz, who always had uh, a, a production, a great play 
for the quarter. And I think that Loxton's much more like uh, Loxton's more like PepsiCo, which is like, here, we're just going to do the number. So I think the people who are selling, my chapel trust owns it. I say, bring it to me. Right. Keep selling. Because this is not the kind of uh, Starbucks that you're going to be used to. It is going to be consistent and good and growth. And I like him very much. And I think this is a buy. That's interesting. Uh, U.S. up seven is still better than some of the Yum metric. Case KFC five, yeah. Taco four, Pizza one. I, I know Yum put a brave face on it. it. It wasn't anything to write home about. I know Starbucks people wanted eight, nine. They expect an upside surprise. I say look at the, uh, the basics. Look at, at the machines that they're putting in. Uh, look at how they've now adjusted to cold brew. Uh, and please look at the fact that the China numbers were extraordinary. But everyone, the, by the way, the analysts uniformly take a chill pill. Go get some Xanax, if not some Clonopin. Uh, or maybe like you can use if you're in Florida, maybe some True Leaf. Because, boy, these people were negative. I mean, I was like, wow, jeez, you guys really had a bad day. Yeah. It's not going to be the Starbucks that you want. It's not going to be uh, what I would regard as being a funny girl. It's not going to be a funny girl. I don't know what they want. I mean, it's it's more like rent. Yeah. I mean, you, know, I mean <laughs> you, you, you like theater, Carl. And the Starbucks, Lux Renner Sim does not want theater. He wants blocking and tackling Starbucks, and so do I. Because I'm tired of the episodic this way, that way, this way. Bank with him, not against him. America will be terrific. He is an operator, and I love operators. He'll do a great job. Well, you mentioned some prescription meds. Maybe they can go to CVS uh, for some of those. Uh, They got their results in following uh, reports, of course, yesterday about some Headcount reduction. Yeah, I don't know. At one point, the stock was up a dollar, then it's down. Well, you got a 3.3% yield. Karen Lynch is turning into even more of a healthcare company. Uh, people do not like brick and mortar. That's the problem. I mean, they don't like brick and mortar because even though she's done this great healthcare initiative, people actually go to CBS. And when they go to CBS, they're confronted with that very difficult plastic piece of paper, plastic sheet. Plus, that it makes it difficult to buy things. So you're constantly having to press a button. It's a, it's a very bad model. Uh, two names in consumer that are flying today are Elf and Freshworks. Yeah, uh, oh, my God. About what's going on we with We were Elf. all talking about Freshworks. Is it, you know, is it for real? But I have to tell you, now, uh, Tagerman, he runs Elf. And I remember I brought some Elf stuff home to my wife. It was very funny. Elf is very, very inexpensive. And it's also, by the way, very uh, good environmentally. A lot of people feel that way. And she said, "Look, I don't want, I, I, I don't want this help. Throw a couple of Mac tops on it, MAC, and I have, like SA order. It's just ah, it's never been better. So you have to be aware that that this is a revolutionary company that is in uh, Target, that is in Sephora. I happen to think SA order stuff is superior, obviously, but." They're, they are the ideal company for the young person who doesn't have a lot of money to use makeup. And that's why they keep delivering, delivering, delivering. My hat's off to them. I mean, it's just the, remarkable. Quarter. You chart Elf against Estee Lauder? Oh, Jim? don't, don't. Because oh my, my Chapel Show says Estee we made a huge amount of money in Estee Lauder. And Fabrizio Fred is fantastic, but he made his bed with China. And, uh, and Elf's made his bed with everywhere. Tarang is, he's so non promotional that you want to say to him, 
look, be as good as your product, but he won't. He's just, it's not his style. He just goes and he delivers. Now, Estee Lauder will deliver because I think that Fabrizio Freda is one of the great consumer packaged goods people there is. But he made a lot. He made Korea and he made China huge, which was great for a long time. And now that you know, he needs the stimulus program, he, need, he needs uh, there be a program literally for skin condition. Because, I mean, oh, you mean a government? Yeah. You know, like, stop pulling out coal and skin condition. (laughs) Um, We mentioned autos a while back. Uh, Ford is posting U.S. numbers for July. Let's get to Phil LeBeau. Morning, Phil. Hey, good morning, Carl. These are roughly in line with what some of the analysts uh, were expecting for July, excuse me, sales up 6.4%. And it's really the internal combustion engine vehicles and the hybrids that are offsetting the weakness that we're seeing with electric vehicles at Ford. F-Series up 8.2%. Bronco up 20.1%. EV sales overall down 18.1%. Hybrids up 31%. That's part of the story about why they're doing the pivot that they're doing. By the way, lightning sales in July, just 1,552 were sold. That was an increase of 9% compared to June. But remember, they had production suspended for most of June. We'll see if this pivot in terms of the price cuts and greater production actually increases the lightning sales as much as Ford is hoping for in the second half of this year. Again, Ford sales for July down 6 point, or up 6.4%. Guys, back to you. <laughs> All right, Phil, just to, just just get you for a quick second. Uh, we talked the other day about how yes. uh, disappointing it could be. Uh, we know that they just restarted the F-150 Lightning assembly line. I mean, are, yeah. are, are we going to find those backed up at uh, dealers? Dealers lots? I don't think so. Well, Jim, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to find one at a dealer lot right now. A few dealers I've talked with who do have them, they don't have a ton of them. I mean, they have some, but they don't have a ton of them. So I think the idea is they'll have greater inventory, so there'll be greater selection at the dealer lot. You combine that with the price cuts, and the idea at Ford is they believe this will start to juice the market, if you will, that people will come in, and maybe they were interested in a Lightning, and now they'll say, look, the XLT, which is the base consumer model, I I like it now at this price compared to where it was before. That's the theory or the game plan from Ford. All right, so uh, to be personal about it, my my daughter's got a, a, uh, a Bronco. And when I was there, all the Broncos were sold out. They, each person had it. Yep. Each Bronco had a name on it. And yet when I listen to Farley, like I, he's not talking about his strong suit. What happened here? Why is he saying, hey, listen, go try to find a Bronco. Good luck to you. Well, he knows the way the market works, Jim. Come on. This stock doesn't trade on uh, internal combustion engine vehicle sales. I know. I'm just trying to help him, Phil. Whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't. They are killing it when it comes to ICE vehicles as well as their commercial vehicles. Nobody's arguing with that. But if Jim Farley sits there and talks about that, you know where the analysts are going. You know where the market is going. Yes, but what have you done for me when it comes to electric vehicles? For better or worse, that is the game for Ford and for all the automakers. Right as rain. I know. Trying to change the narrative a little late in the game. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Um, she does like the Bronco yeah, for yes, what that's worth. Yes. <laughs> um, we mentioned, uh, we should, haven't yet mentioned Humana. And then UNH, Jim, uh, both moving today on some of these results. Well, look, I mean, Humana just, Humana was crushed uh, because of Pickle. Remember that? I remember. Remember that period was like UBS, suddenly the UBS note. Now, I, I have played Pickle, and I've got to tell you, I play Contact Pickle. And so I totally understand what they're talking No. 
it's like contact gardening. But yeah, I mean, this was, we had this problem with UNH and they're all recovering. Bruce Broussard did a very good job. Those are uh, CEO of Humana. Those are conservative numbers. My travel trust owns it. I have to admit, I was worried this morning because uh, this has become one of those things where everybody just says, look out, they're, everyone's back doing operations and, and, and the raw, uh, their numbers are going to be bad. The numbers aren't bad. So I, I feel very good about it. I think it's the beginning. Uh, United Health led the group. Uh, it's, the group is not expensive. Good numbers. Yep. Good numbers. Uh, swings of uh, consumer behavior. Generax taking it on the chin this morning, Jim, on this miss. Uh, although revenue was ahead, they do cut the yearly guide. Uh, lower residential uh, product sales. You know, it's a volatile. It's historically uh, it is volatile. It's crazy. Yeah. I, it, one of the things that's that, it, and Phil's so right. I mean, I. I, 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 when I was out at Ford, I, I kind of wanted this story to be more than just E. Uh, but Genrac can be hurt by the F-150 Lightning because you can just use it. Plug it in, of, power the house. Genrac, um, the amount of money they're losing on that Mustang is really incredible. But, yeah, I, I just feel like this whole alternative energy save trying to fix the grid has become a bad story. The end phase energy. A lot of younger people are in these stocks, and I think that they're discovering that they're playing with fire. It's not a solar revolution anymore. It's not a backup generator anymore. It is really about wind, which was really good. We know that from, from Larry Culp. And about improving the grid, which is why I think that both Eaton yesterday and Emerson today are doing fabulously. Fabulously. They're improving the grid. That's what matters. Well, I, I, uh, just to stick with the, uh, the cyclical industrial trade, I know you had CAD on yesterday. That's Above yesterday's uh, record high. Yeah, well, look, there were some real, well, I don't know, I want to be polite. There were a bunch of stooges that were telling you to short the stock. Uh, it, they were major firms. I, I came on and I, <clears throat> I challenged them, basically to a claymation death match. And I got to tell you, two enter, one leaves. You know, I laughed. <laughs> they're still in there. Yes. They, yeah, they're like the master blaster. I cannot believe these guys who are against Jim Umpleby. Jim Umpleby said over and over again he was going to do X. Now he's done X. If you go listen to the Eaton conference call, it is so clear that no orders have even come through yet for IRA. And and it is going to be Caterpillar, get on board. Get bigger, go home. Uncle B's going to deliver some great things. I think it's just getting started. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been very few orders placed, according to Eaton. Eaton had a Eaton's quarter. Oh, man. Well, that was a clinic. Eaton was a clinic. It was Belichick when we realized now that it was really Brady and not Belichick. I just wanted to take a cheap shot. I just was in the mood. Yeah. I mean, does DuPont take any of the shine off of that this morning? Oh, no. I mean, look, I got to tell you, Ed Breen is delivering exactly what you want. You're troughing. A lot of their electronics has to do with with, with PC and with semis. That's coming back. I think that uh, this is a a, a bullpen name. You want to buy Ed Breen right here, right now. A lot of firepower. Uh, Just also water's good there, believe it or not. I just think that this is just the right time. Breen is more energized than any time that I've heard him in many years. DuPont is an inexpensive good stock. Reminds me of 3M without all without the, the uh, trouble, without the lawsuits. That's interesting. Um, a couple names we'll talk about later on this morning. One is Match, uh, Beaten Rays. BTIG goes to buy 60. Tinder. Uh, between between yeah, that um, and Pins, Jim, yeah. the commentary around the ad market hasn't been all that terrible. Look, I, I think that the ad market has shifted entirely. Uh, the, the consumer packaged goods story on Roku, which reported on Thursday, very unheralded quarter, was extraordinary. People, the amount, you know, look, 37, according to Netflix, 
37% of the people are now streaming. And they're streaming, and again, we'll have, we'll have Shopify. Shopify's doing a lot of stuff where you can buy things online, uh, like basically looking at your machine. I, I believe that the ad market is alive and well. It's just not where I thought it was going to be. Although Charter got upgraded today. I was going to say, Wolf goes bullish Charter. Yeah. Um, and let's see, 565 outperform. They have, wow. a, they have some nice things to say about our own parent as well. Uh, yes, Comcast. they did. They had nice things to say. And uh, I got to tell you, a lot of they just feel like the worst is over is, is the logic behind it. I find that Charter is such a challenge balance sheet that I'm not sure I want to go there. Uh, but I do look, obviously, parent company Comcast is not expensive stock. Um, stock is down substantially from where it was two years ago. Uh, good yield. I don't know. I mean, I think it's these these report. When you look at Comcast, what do they always say? Peacock's being contained. Right. Now, Peacock was actually uh, flat. I would say Roku was talking about how, look, we're already at the level of Peacock when it comes to our advertising and, and, and use. And that, that was a very deflating thing for me when I read that, uh, having you know, working at Comcast. But if they can contain the Peacock losses, then the numbers go up very well. Big. It does. It reminds me to ask you about Disney and Warner both down today. Here's a question. If the writers go back to the table and let's say they get something put together with the writers alone, is that is that bullish or is it too expensive? Could a new deal be expensive and, uh, and depressing on earnings? Well, you know, your biggest fear is that you're going to get a UPS deal. I mean, UPS finally gets a deal. The stock goes down five bucks. Uh, look, I've had two really bad stocks this year that I bought for the trust, Walt Disney and uh, and Estee Lauder. Now, Estee Lauder was great, made a lot of money, came back. Disney's been an unmitigated disaster. And I think Disney, as I said yesterday, not Airbnb, but B&B, bad quarter and then bad quarter. Uh, and I don't know how Bob Iger gets out of that. It doesn't matter, writer strike or not. It, it's just terrible. By the way, Comcast, new theme park coming. Yep. Frisco. Yep. Frisco's does, pretty cool. Uh, it does make you think about travel, though, in the light of the Norwegian results yesterday. Jeez, are we now just uh, down to Marriott? Today, Susquehanna goes to neutral 17. That was big. You know, Carnival's up 100% this year. That's going to that's gonna be wiped out. Uh, you mentioned Warner Brothers. That's Zaslav. And uh, a lot of been room for Zaslav. A- and I think that he's got to be, his is a debt pay down. But if Apple decides that they like the NBA and they want to show the NBA in uh, or on the Vision Pro, well, that's the end. You can compete with Apple. Now, they report tomorrow. And uh, when I look at what Apple's doing, the world's their oyster. When I see what YouTube did, uh, uh, Alphabet owns that, with the NFL package, suddenly they became relevant. And the ads for YouTube are extraordinary. And a lot of the consumer package good companies I'm talking to are saying, you know what? We're going to go where the viewer is. We're going to YouTube. It would be incredible if they went to MLS. And, uh, look, I just think... I don't like to trade. Someone was internally asked me, how do you trade Apple? And I always said, look, my whole mantra for Apple for the last one, uh, I don't know, almost 200 points is own it, don't trade it. I mean, it's all, you know, for like, since it was five. And I don't think there's anything rev, um, revolutionary with Apple. It's all evolutionary. But Vision Pro is the way to watch sports. It's also the way to watch Taylor Swift if I, if I decided that I didn't want to pay the $1,000 ticket. $1,000. $1,000. Must be some concert, huh? Uh, the, you could argue that the the device would pay for itself after 
one show. I've argued that, <laughs> at, and I argued that to my wife who went to the concert, and she says, you're an idiot. You don't know anything. So, okay, that's fine. I don't. It's always good to be cool. You know, your wife can call you an idiot. So she has the free fire zone right to do that. It, it keeps you grounded, uh, Jim. Yeah, yes. but she does know I have a show, which is so terrific. It's a, but she doesn't have cable. <laughs> uh, I'll ask Lisa about that next time we talk. Yeah. Uh, for now, though, market's down a little bit, not as much as uh, you might have feared in the wake of the Fitch downgrade, but S&P down 35 points. As we go to break, let's watch bonds as well, see how Treasuries are faring. ADP, by the way, the number today, 324K. Uh, the estimate was 190. Uh, but uh, after the last couple of months, some people discounting ADP as a tell for Friday's jobs number. Back in a minute. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. People look at uh, Chevron and they knew the quarter was great. One of the greatest quarters now is Pioneer Natural Resources, PXD. Stock is up $8. And I've just got to remind people that the Permian is alive and well. And some guys are just really know how to do it right. Uh, Rich Dealey is a terrific CEO. Uh, I've loved it for my trust, loved it forever. Uh, yields a little bit lower than I like, but boy, it's good. Uh, we'll get Oxy uh, tonight. People think they're rivals. Yep. Team of rivals. Yep. And then there's um, an ongoing discussion. I mean, unlikely that OPEC Plus tweaks their policy on Friday at this upcoming meeting. Yeah, unlikely. But I do think, once again, the, the government has not been willing to refill. That would have hurt the SPR. That would have helped Pioneer. But Pioneer's a situation uh, at the, where you realize that the, the Permian has not peaked. And that's really important because there's a lot of people who think that we've peaked in our production. It's just not Case. Interesting. Uh, that'd be good to get a little more yeah. uh, on the supply side. We'll see what happens on demand. Uh, meantime, in addition to Oxy, tonight you'll have Shop Qualcomm Dash. Yes, and I do have Tony Shu. I've got to tell you, Dash, uh, like Uber, has become very much uh, part of the firmament. And I think that Tony could, now the stock has run, monster run. But you, everyone knows that Tony, he's a complete delivery man from start to finish. His story is a uniquely American story, too, and I've always gotten a kick out of it. And then I have Larry Williams, who's probably the greatest uh, chartist of all time on tonight, for our chart week, which is, speaking of, of David Zaslav, kind of a takeoff on Shark Week. So <laughs> That's we're cool. having fun. You're going to send out as much swag as, uh, as Warner Discovery does? No, no. I have, like, I have so many Warner Discovery I, it, it, there's just everything like vast. I'm surprised you're not wearing and, Barbie merch right now. Oh my God! I just well, look. I mean, that's why Waste Management Landfill is doing so well. <laughs> WM, time to buy. Yes, Jim. We'll see you tonight. Thank uh, you. Exciting Welcome day. Uh, thanks. Good to be back. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern. When we come back, MicroStrategy shares tripling this year after, as you know, a rough 22. We'll talk quarterly results and crypto with Executive Chair Michael Saylor when we return. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer.